So this is a two-week lesson here. This is the first time. We're continuing on. All right, we're continuing on. We were in Acts chapter 1 last week with the um, Great Commission, remember? The Great Commission. Oh, is next Thursday Thanksgiving? It is? Well, how about that? So, everybody will wear your mask indoors. You will bite a hole in your mask so you can put your food through your mask. Listen, if you're in Pennsylvania, they are telling people in Pennsylvania, wear your mask indoors in your house. It, it's something. I can't, I got words, but I can't put them, I can't, just, you know, never mind, Trace, just keep on going. So, next week there will be no Wednesday night service, okay? So no Wednesday night service next week. It's, that's Thanksgiving Eve. That's when the great turkey comes, right? Do you have enough? Everybody's got enough? Huh? You guys have them up in the perch? You need one, Johnny T? Yeah? Here. Okay. So we talked last week about the Great Commission. The Great Commission or the Great Command where Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm getting ready to leave. I want you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. He said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Okay, so he's getting ready to ascend. That's the Great Commission. Now, we also then found where Peter took a census and there was 120 in the upper room ready to receive the Holy Ghost because what he said was, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. So they went back to Jerusalem, went to an upper room, which is the second floor, second story of a building, and they waited there. They waited there for 10 days, okay, 10 days. Now, the reason we're going through this is I want you to be able to know what church history how it unfolded, how the church got here, okay? Back in, in 30 A.D., 33 A.D., when Jesus was on the earth and the disciples and the church was beginning, there wasn't First Baptist and there wasn't First Pentecostal and there wasn't, you know, uh, Garden of Gethsemane Christian Church, you know, and there wasn't uh, St. Mary's Catholic Church up on the hill outside of Golgotha. There was no church like that. There were no churches in Jerusalem like that. And so uh, what we're going to find is tonight we're going to talk about the birth of the church. So on your chart, you're going to be on this page. It says six dispensation grace. Okay, that's the church begins. That's the chart page that you want at first tonight. We're, there's not many scriptures on here. We'll blow through that. So we want to know what the church believed, what the church preached, the original church. Okay, so let's get started. The church begins. We're going to Ephesians. How about you old folks? Do you like that large print? Isn't that large? Yes. I, I did this last night about one o'clock in the morning, and I didn't realize that it was that big. Apparently, I was sleeping, and <laughs> we can see it real good. Ephesians 5, 25 is where we're going to start. It says, husbands, love your wives. Now, why are we talking about love, husbands loving wives? We're talking about the church. Let's see. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself, in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such things, that she might be holy and faultless. Now that's in the Amplified. So Christ died for the church. He gave himself for the church, that he could sanctify the church. Okay? 
So you're part of the church, so you're sanctified. How about that? You didn't realize that. Next time your wife gets mad at you, let her know, hey, I'm sanctified. I mean, I mean, just, you might want to stay within, uh, stay away at an arm length, you know, or a pot and pan may come your way. Let her know you're sanctified because you're part of the church. How is the church sanctified? She's cleansed by the washing of water by the word. So the church takes the word. We take the word in and that begins to cleanse us. All right. That he might present the church to himself. So Jesus Christ is going to present to the church, the church to himself. And that church is going to be without spot or wrinkle or any such things that she might be holy, means separated, and faultless. Wow. That's a big order for us. But that's the church, and this is what the plan of God was for the church. Joel chapter 2. It says down here in the, in the picture on the left half, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that is Acts chapter 2, verse 4. So let's, let's establish this right now. The early church, the original church, the New Testament church began with speaking in tongues. Okay? It happened on the day of Pentecost. Why? Why did God choose Pentecost? Because God works, worked and worked and works in the feast of Israel. Okay? We've already talked about that, hopefully. You understand that. You understand that Jesus died on what feast? No, he didn't die at Pentecost. Passover. He died at Passover. Okay? Passover was a feast that commemorates when the death angel, I about died right there, when the death angel passed over the children of Israel in Egypt. Right? They put the blood on the doorpost and the, the lintel. And, and the Lord said that when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Ding. So he passed over them. And he said, you're going to commemorate and remember this for generations to come. So then, three days later, the next Jewish feast after Passover is what? Do you know? First fruits. Okay, what happened three days after the cross? Resurrection. Jesus was the first to raise from the dead. Resurrection. First fruit. So God uses these, these feasts of Israel to work and move in a certain way. Same way in the church. The word Pentecost means 50th. 50 days after the resurrection or the, or the crucifixion, 50 days after that, okay, 50 days after that comes Pentecost. And that's when they would, be, they would go and they would look at the harvest out in the fields to see if the fields were ready to be harvested for the first fruits of that. First fruits. Okay. Pentecost is 50th. 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead was the Spirit the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost poured out in Jerusalem on the disciples. Okay? Make sense? 40 days, 40 days he was seen of them by many infallible proofs. We learned that last week, right? Didn't we? We learned that last week. He leaves after 40 days, sends into heaven. 10 days later, the Holy Ghost comes. Math. 40, they don't teach it like this anymore. They teach all kinds of other things. You know, Johnny wants to be a girl and everything else. That's what they teach in school now. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So there we go. Um, yeah. I turned on my sound zone because I needed to hear something today. And, you know, 
how that works. Okay. So where was I? Where was I? 40 and 10 is what? 50. Pentecost, 50th. Okay. So the early church, we're going to see what they believed. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let's go to those small blocks down at the bottom of your chart. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Let's see what the Old Testament has to say about all this. Joel 2, 28. Then, after doing those, all those things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Now that is the New Living Translation. So Joel prophesies that the Spirit of God is going to come on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Let me say something about dreams and visions here. Ask God, some of you ask God to, to give you dreams and visions pertaining to the church and the end time that we're living in. Prophetic dreams, why not? You, we don't have it because we don't ask for it. So ask God to give you some dreams, okay? And visions. You want visions because that makes you a young man. If you dream dreams, you're an old man. You don't do that yet. Isaiah 28, 10 through 12. Amplified. For it is his prophets repeating over and over, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, rule upon rule, rule upon rule, here a little, there a little. No, but the Lord will teach the rebels in a more humiliating way by men with stammering lips and another tongue. Will he speak to this people, says Isaiah, and teach them his lessons? To these complaining Jews, the Lord had said, This is a true rest, the way to true comfort and happiness that you shall give to the weary, and this is the true refreshing, yet they would not listen to his teaching. All right. This is in Joel here, Joel 28, 10 through 12, is the prophet, I, or Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah prophesying about the Holy Ghost coming on men. With stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. So if anybody tells you that talking in tongues is not in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament. Okay? It's in the Old Testament. Isaiah 28, 10 through 12. Okay? Now, there's a key here. You might want to circle this. It says in verse 12, this is the true rest. The way to true comfort and happiness that you shall give to the weary. And this is the true refreshing. You can underline that if you'd like. Listen, the Bible says six days God created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. We call that the Sabbath. Okay? When I'm teaching Bible study, I say he went to church. Because I want people I'm teaching Bible study to to come to church. So God rested. Now, in the New Testament, it talks about, and Jesus says, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? So Sabbath is for rest. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Which means that every day when the Lord is in your life, it's just like what? The Sabbath. I don't know if you've experienced this since you've received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in your life or not, but when you get the Holy Ghost in your life, it's like the Sabbath day every day. There's always a peace, there's always a rest, there's always a comfort. Anybody experience that? Okay, why? Because he's the Lord of the Sabbath and he's in our hearts. That's what Isaiah was talking about. This is the rest. I mean, all hell can be breaking loose. Everything going crazy in your life, and then you got a peace in the middle of the storm because you know that everything is going to somehow be all right. Amen? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 11. So we talked about Joel. 
He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We talked about Isaiah with stammering lips and another tongue. Now we're going to Ezekiel 11:19, New Living Translation. And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn, and give to them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people, and I will be their God. God is going to take away the stubborn, stony heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. I don't know about you, but before I got the Holy Ghost, I couldn't be mean as a snake. Now, some people that know me today think I'm mean as a snake. Well, they didn't know me then. You should have known me then. Okay? How about the Holy Ghost tempers you? Gives you long suffering. You know? People that used to fight with you before you got the Holy Ghost, you had to have the last word. I have a brother. He had to have the last word all the time. And you know what my mom did? She set him in time out after she slapped his face. That's Ginger's dad. He always had to have the last word and always got his mouth slapped. You know how many of our parents would be in jail for child abuse today? Most of them. Okay, so anyhow, God takes that stubborn heart, that heart that wants to fight, that heart that wants to do drama, and he puts in a responsive, tender heart. And you have compassion on people. And you learn, and you just through life, you just realize that it's not a big deal. You don't always have to have the last word. You don't always have to fight. You don't always have to win. Amen? So God says in Ezekiel 11, I'm going to put a new heart in them. So now we have the Spirit being poured out in Joel, tongues and stammering lips in Isaiah, and in Ezekiel, a new heart and a new spirit is coming in them. A new spirit and a new heart. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, says this, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Let me ask you this. Before you got the Holy Ghost and you tried to read the Bible, how did it go for you? Was it hard? Especially those of you who picked up King James. And you're looking at it like, oh, these and thous. And... Okay, once you got the Holy Ghost, did the Bible make sense? Why? Why? It is because the spirit that wrote the Bible was now living in your life, and he was behind your eyeballs, and while your eyes were was cruising through the pages, understanding was coming into your spirit. God said, I'm going to write my laws and precepts in their hearts. How about that? Is that good? Are you guys just blown away? Ah, that's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad you're just blown away. So that is the new covenant. Before, before anybody said, when anybody told you, you need to go to church, you need to get God in your life. You know, when you were like a rebel, when you were like, you know, evil Knievel. You remember evil Knievel? Most kids don't even know what evil Man, Bernie, I used to watch evil Knievel. Oh, the big jump was the Snake River Canyon. He was going to jump it in a rocket. That didn't go very well. That didn't go very well. But anyhow, before you got in church and you were, you were, you know, you were just bad. You were like hell on wheels. And somebody said, you need to go to church. You thought, those people are crazy. I'm not going to church. I'm never going to. I don't need to go to church. And now, not only are you in, this, in, in a church, 
okay? God puts you in this kind of church. Did you ever think you would be in this kind of church? How many said no? <laughs> Macy, you didn't think you'd be in this kind of church? Oh, Lord. Help me, see God. Wow. Even the pastor's daughter never dreamed she would be in this kind of church. Okay. So, you never dreamed you'd be in this kind of church. Your friends think you're crazy. Thought you were crazy? Maybe still think you're crazy. But the issue is, God is putting a covenant between him and you, a contract, a covenant. And now you are walking in covenant, and he's writing his laws in you. You're reading his word, and it's, he's writing the precepts and the laws in your life. So to summarize the Old Testament, talking of, about the church, you've got uh, Joel, who says the Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh, Sons and daughters prophesy, old men dream dreams, young men see visions. You have Isaiah who says, stammering lips in another tongue. Will he talk to this people? And this is the rest that he's going to cause the weary to rest and the refreshing. Then you have Ezekiel that says, I'm taking out your stony heart and I'm putting in a tender heart. And then you have Jeremiah that says, I'm going to write my laws and precepts on your life. So then over on the right side of the chart, this is what it is in a nutshell. Then Peter, Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So, you, in a nutshell, you want to know what the early church the, on the day of Pentecost preached? Is Acts 2.38. Repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost. What did they experience? They experienced the infilling of the Spirit speaking in tongues. So you say, well, why don't all churches do that now? I don't know. Can't tell you why. I do know that we had what was called the Dark Ages. Remember the Dark Ages? Huh? And I'm not talking about the Obama years. All right? Okay? The Dark Ages. You know, we had the Crusades. We had the Dark Ages. We had the Inquisitions. We had all of that through history. And and the, the gospel kind of went into hiding kind of and then slowly through the reformation martin luther the just shall live by faith you know at one time through uh, church history the only church that there was on the earth basically was a catholic church and then martin luther began to question some things and he put his 95 theses on the diet of worms and he said the just shall live by faith and that started a revolution and it started a reformation and then you out of that you had the the Anabaptists come out of that, and the Montanists, and you had the Quakers, and then you had um, all of these come out of that, and it's just a, it's just an unfolding of things. And then at the turn of the century in 1900, the the Holy Spirit fell in Topeka, Kansas, in a little Bible study called Stone Follies, Stones Follies in Topeka. And from there, it went to Houston, Texas, to some preachers there. And then from there, it went to Los Angeles, California, where the famed Azusa Street outpouring happened, which lasted for about five years, five or six years. And from that Azusa Street outpouring came all of the Pentecostal, tongue-talking, charismatic movements that fill the earth today. Do you know that almost one out of eight people in the world are filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. Almost a billion. One out of eight. Okay? And you say, well, what about this church? What about that church? Well, a lot of the churches can go back and say, okay, well, this church started, for instance, the Lutheran church. I pick on the Lutheran church because that was my mom's church. And Vernie's. I didn't know Vernie then. 
not until a few years ago, but Vernie and my mom's church, and the Lutheran church started with Martin Luther and the Diet of Worms. And then you also had the Greater, the great Awakenings. You had Jonathan Edwards. You had uh, Calvin. You had Wesley. You had all of these. My, my grandparents on my mom's side, uh, Ginger can tell you, fifth or sixth removed, were in Ireland, and they were understudies of Charles Wesley. Or John, Charles Wesley. Was it Charles or John Wesley? John Wesley. Okay? My grandparents brought the Methodist faith to America. How about that? I said, okay, Ginger, but do we have any royalty? Is there a treasure chest somewhere waiting for us? That's where it's at. It's in heaven. Because she said, we're always poor. It's great. We were poor in Germany. We moved to Ireland. We were poor in Ireland and Scotland. We're just poor. But that's changing. Amen. We're not poor no more. So you can go back and you can say, okay, where did this church start? Where did this church start? Where did this denomination, where did this start? And you can usually tell where it's at. What the, I'm talking about tonight, we're studying this, the original apostolic church. Apostolic is a word that is used to identify the apostles. Okay? We are, this church is Pentecostal in experience and apostolic in doctrine. That makes sense? Let me explain. When I say we're Pentecostal in experience, we believe that when you come to this church, if you want it, you have a great opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life, speaking with tongues, just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Hence, Pentecostal experience. Now, the term apostolic. The Catholic Church also uses the term apostolic a lot. Okay? The term apostolic is in reference to what the apostles taught and believed. Now, who gave them their orders? All right, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Thomas, Bartholomew, Judas. Who gave, who gave them their orders? Who taught them? Jesus. Jesus taught the apostles. Okay, and in John 15, he said, I'm praying for those who believe on me through your word. Okay, so... That's what we preach here. We preach what the apostles preached as they received it from Jesus. Who is God manifest in the flesh? Yes? See how it all, is it coming together? Is it clear like a chocolate shake? Oh, you don't want a clear chocolate shake. Okay? So, we teach what the apostles taught, apostolic, in doctrine. Pentecostal experience, apostolic in doctrine. So, when somebody says, where did your church begin bingo where to begin Jerusalem that's where it started this church we're going to find out now believes exactly like the early church did in Jerusalem okay one other thing when this chart's done you see at the top it says six dispensation a dispensation a lot of Bible scholars use the word, term dispensations to cut up uh, the way and to identify the way that God works in in world history through the church through his kingdom all right a dispensation is a period of time in which God works in a certain way the sixth dispensation is called grace and that's when the be church begins we are still in the dispensation of grace okay you can people can still come to church still get in the kingdom some get, some backslide right leave then they come back Whatever, you know what I'm saying? We're still in grace. Eventually, it's going to end, and the seventh dispensation will be what? Mark of the beast, tribulation, it'll be judgment. Okay? So that's what dispensation means. You ready to flip the chart? Look at that, you've done one side already tonight. And it's only 808. The area code of paradise, 808. Okay? Let's go on. So what did they preach? Acts 2.38, first words out of Then Peter said unto them, what? Repent. He said, repent. Okay. And says, believe the gospel. Mark 
chapter, or actually, actually, we're going to Luke here first. Oh, I didn't get those. I missed those. Mark chapter 1. Find, somebody find Mark 1, 14 through 15. I missed putting those down up there. I'm sorry. Don't hold that against me. Who has Mark 1, 1, 1 14 through 15? Somebody find Acts 20, 21. Alex Trebek passed away. Did you see that? I put my application in maybe to be a host. Maybe I can do that. You know, Amy looks at me and says, you know, you, need, you might need to go get a second job. I said, what? Second? I said, I'm working on my fifth and sixth jobs. Kidding? That would be my seventh. Who has Mark 1.14? Kevin, you got it? Yes. 114 and 15. Oh, I got it right up here, Kevin. Hey, I'm sorry. Sorry, I forgot about you, Jonathan. You hold the keys to the kingdom up there, don't you? All power in this building right now belongs to Jonathan on that computer. Mark 114. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Yes. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, you, and believe the gospel. Okay, repent and believe the gospel. Keep that in mind. Acts 20, 20 and 21. So repent and believe the gospel. And Acts 20, 20 and 21. And how? This is Paul. I kept nothing back. I kept nothing that was profitable to you, but have showed you... And have taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So the early church preached repentance and believing. Let's go on. That big box. Repentance and remission of sins. This is Luke 24, 47. It says repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Okay, beginning at where? Jerusalem. Where was the church started at? Jerusalem. What day? Pentecost, yes. Okay, you guys are awesome. Wow, you keep it up, you're going to be out of here quicker than you think. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Let's look at Acts 3.19. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. That's what we want to have in church. We want to have times of refreshing. We want to have the presence of the Lord. So the, that's why we come in here and sing. You know, you think these singers up here, you think they're singing and somebody's going to find them on a talent search in this church in the middle of, on a Wednesday night in the middle of Vandalia, Illinois? Well, I know you're hoping. What are you hoping for? You didn't even think you'd be in a church like this. Are you kidding? So, <laughs> oh, you never cease to amaze me. So, and, and we're playing keyboards and drums and, and instruments. Why? We're, we're just bringing in the presence of the Lord. The main goal of the music ministry is to bring the presence of the Lord into this service. Because when, we, when everybody comes into a service, everybody's got their mind on something else. Sister Sylvia's got her mind on something else. She got her mind on whether bus number five, she's going to have to drive that joker ever again. She don't want to drive bus number five ever again. Johnny is trying to figure out how he's going to get all his yard mowing money from the people who owe him, like me. Okay, he's trying to figure that out. Vernie's wondering what new hairstyles he can learn how to cut. Right? So what? Uh, what are you saying? We're all coming in here and we all got something different on our minds. So we get in here and we have the music going. And we have singing going. What, why? Well, it says to praise the Lord. So we're, we're praising him. It says singing to the Lord. We're doing that. But we're also trying to get everybody's mind on Jesus. Okay? Trying to get everybody's mind on Jesus. That's why I look at you. Sister Pat 
is still looking for her legal documents that, she, that I lost. And guess what, Sister Pat? I found them. Oh, yes. Uh, you, feeling, you feeling better? Well, good. I was feeling better, too. Now, if I could just find the title to the Suburban, I'd be excellent. All right. But anyhow, so we got to get in the presence of the Lord because that's a time of refreshing. Because if we get in the presence of the Lord, the Lord can do anything he wants in just a second of time with any of us. That's why we, that's why we sing. That's why we worship. That's why, you know, that's why when I, I said the other Sunday, you know what, when we're singing a song, please don't hang on to the back of the pew in front of you. Clap your hands if it's a clapping song. You can clap your hands here. It's legal. Totally legal. It's legal. I've seen people run the aisles in church. I asked somebody the other day, they were at church, and I said, were you at church today? And they said, yes. And I said, I thought I saw you run an aisle. And they went. Of course, I didn't see them run an aisle. I was trying to implicate that that might be an idea. Listen, I've seen them roll on the floor. I've seen them dance. I've seen them walk on the tops and the backs of pews. You're saying in church? I'm saying in church. That's what I was raised in. I'm telling you. I'm scarred. There is nothing that hardly surprises me ever in church. Nothing. Okay? I've seen people fall out under the power of God. Hey, I love it. I love it. Especially when God's using this gun. I like using this gun. I, when I was in Honduras, I felt like I was Rambo at one church. Everybody I touched went down. I'm not talking about pushing them down. I'm just talking about, woo. I've also seen services, and I've seen preachers who don't touch anybody. I saw one preacher. This was in London, England, at a conference. And he had all these preachers line up. And they, all these preachers got in a line. And they, we went through this prayer line. And, and he would say, be filled with the glory of God. And he'd go like that. And that preacher just fall out. Well, there was one preacher that was in my travel party. Johnny will know who he is. He was an old stoic German guy, and he wasn't going to go down. So I made sure that I got far enough in the back of the line. See, now listen, you don't even know what people are thinking in church, okay? So I wanted to make sure that I got far enough in the back of the line that I can make sure to watch him when he got up there what he was going to do because I know that he doesn't like going down. There are some people in church, they don't like going down. Sometimes when the power gets you, you're going down. Okay, so the old guy gets up there, and the guy says, be filled with the glory of God, and he went. You know what happened? Hey, you get two scoops. Be Boom. That second time, that old dog went down on the floor. The guy didn't even touch him. The power of God. So by the time I got up there, I'm like, okay, whatever. Boom, it hit me. I laid on the floor. I mean, there's probably 2,500 people at this convention, this conference. I, and I got up. I was sitting on the platform in the back corner of the platform. I had just got off of the floor. Now, listen, some of you think this is, I'm telling you that this is church. I, this has happened. It was there. I finally got off of the floor and got up on a chair in the corner. And that preacher that was doing this was coming across the platform. And I said, Lord, Lord, I just got up. And he walked by, and I'm sitting there, he went, the glory of God. And I'm telling you, the power of God hit me and knocked me clear off that chair again. Boom. I believe in that stuff. I believe that when we get in the presence of the Almighty, anything can happen. We're just humans. How do we think we're going to stand in his presence? But I'll tell you, he won't force himself on anybody. You have to be hungry and willing to want that. You have to be hungry and willing to want that. That's when we used to have revival. We used to have revival six nights a week. 
and twice on Sunday, and two or three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Today, that'd be a spiritual abuse. This is what they tell you. Tomorrow night, we're taking off. Make sure you do all your laundry, get the kids' homework done, and get ready. We're coming back Tuesday night, and we're going to kick it off again. But I'm going to tell you, you might have 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 get the Holy Ghost, and people get healed. Hey, we better get ready. Those days are coming back. We better get ready. Amen? So we want the presence of the Lord. And that's what it says, a time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So we're going to repent. We're going to get sin out of our hearts, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Get our sins blotted out, and the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I better go on scaring some of you to death. You say, oh, my God, they're going to, they're going to hook me up. Somebody said, why do people jump when they get baptized at your church? I said, we got a wires hooked up, and we kind of like semi-electrocute them. We like just turn on the knob a little bit, and they Not really. Hey, you go to church and something gets a hold of you, it might be the Lord. Acts 5.31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. What's he talking about here? Peter is preaching to the council, and he says, Jesus Christ is Prince and Savior, and he's come to give Israel repentance and forgiveness of sins. That's what the early church was preaching, forgiveness of sins and repentance. So how do we repent? How do we repent? Choose to turn from actions that lead to death. Okay? You have to, listen, this is what I tell everybody. You know, you don't know how many alcoholics and drug addicts I run into a lot every day. And I'll talk to them, and I'll say, you know what? This is what you need to do. And they say, I don't need that. I said, no, you don't. But it'll heal you. It'll help you. But I said, you know what? Your sobriety and your freedom is just a decision away. We all have to decide. Every one of us. We all have to decide what do we want. Do I want to keep living like this? Do I want to stay down here in the smelly ditch of sin? Or do I want to change? My mind goes back to April or March. March, end of March, 1st of April for Brother Kevin, 2011. He's sitting in my office. He's homeless. He don't have any friends. He's been used and abused, sold down the river. Said, Kevin, you got three options. Option number one. We talked about option number one. I said, but that won't work. He said, I don't think so either. <laughs> option number two. And I said, I don't think that one's going to work. He said, I don't either. I said, you got one more option. And that other option is, we go to First Fruits in Jerseyville, and you spend the next eight months of your life there. You know when people, when they, I, I say, I got a rehab place I can take you to. It's not going to cost you anything. You, when you get done with it, you've got an 80% chance of coming out clean and staying clean. All right, so they're all wanting in on it so far. Okay. And they think, I, I think I can do that. And I said, now, here's the other thing. It's eight months. Man, they throw that hook, and they're gone. But I said, what happens, and what would happen in your life if you spent eight months, and that eight months changed the next 50 years of your life? And that's what I told Kevin. And Kevin had to make the decision. The night before he left, he had people telling him, you don't have to listen to Brother Tracy. Brother Tracy's just crazy. Did they tell you that, Kevin? They said, you just stay here and we'll help you. We'll help you. 
That's like a drowning man asking another drowning man to help me. Ain't nobody. They're both going down. In fact, they they're they're not here anymore. They're not they're they're not they're not hardly anywhere anymore. No, one decision. Repentance is a decision. Turn away from the actions that lead to death. Turn away from them. Ezekiel eighteen twenty three. Have I any pleasure at all the, that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? God wants sinners to come back to him. He doesn't want any to die. Acts twenty six eighteen through 20. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, this is Paul's testimony, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. If you're going to be a successful Christian, you're going to have to be based on repentance. You have to have repentance. All of us have to have repentance. I have to have repentance. You know what, Mitchell? Guess what, Mitchell? I could get really wild tonight. Right? I don't foresee it. I'm trying, I'm trying to plan a wild night. I'm just kind of hard. They can just go home and sit in the chair, watch Hannity, Tucker. So uh, the wild night is, I'm going to teach here tonight, and then I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going down to East St. Louis, down to, the, down to the cabaret down there. I'm going down to Flint's. Don't try to picture. I know it. I know. <laughs> Frank's got this look like. I could do that. Why couldn't I? Huh? Why couldn't I do that? I could if I made that decision. Couldn't I? And I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get so drunk. It's just getting harder and harder to just... And then I'm going to get so sick because I'm not used to drinking all that that I'm going to throw up on myself all the way home from Collinsville to Vandalia. I'm just going to sit in my own puke. Woo, that sounds like an exciting night. I could do that. Any of us could do that. It's, a, it's just a decision. It's a decision. Repentance is a decision to turn away. And so what Paul is saying here, he said, it's time to make a decision and to turn from wickedness and live to God. Amen? Surrender self-rule. Let's surrender our self-rule. Romans chapter 6, 6 through 13, and we'll shut her down after this one. Knowing this, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. I tell you what. I'm not even going to start this one. I'm just going to share something with you. Remember what I told you about Romans chapter 6? Anybody remember what I told you about Romans chapter 6? If you put your sin in there, okay, what did Jesus use in the wilderness to beat the devil? The word. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Put your names on your papers. You know, you don't have to on the chart unless you want to. Uh, there's plenty of charts. Just put your name on the, on the paper if you've taken notes. You might want to keep that, and we'll collect that. Jesus used the word to beat the devil on the Mount of Temptation. He used the word. It is written, it is written, it is written. It said it three times. Three different occasions, three different ways the devil will come at you. He'll come at you through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Three areas the devil tempts us in. Now, if you take the word and you apply it to your life, you will be successful. And I want to tell you, it's like this. Romans chapter 6, when a temptation comes your way, if you will 
if you will take Romans 6 and memorize it and then personalize it, okay? If you will take Romans 6 and memorize it and then personalize it when the temptation comes. So let's look at Romans chapter 6 real fast, okay? And wherever there is a pronoun, we're going to put our name. And wherever it says sin, we're going to put the sin, okay? So let's say Tracy has a problem with lying, okay? Let's look at Romans 6.6. Knowing this, that our old man, or Tracy, knowing this, that Tracy is crucified with him, that the body of lying might be destroyed, that henceforth Tracy should serve sin, or serve, not serve, lying. For Tracy that is dead is free from lying. Now if Tracy be dead with Christ, Tracy believes that Tracy shall also live with Christ. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto lying once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon Tracy also to be dead indeed to lying, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not lying, verse 12, reign in Tracy's mortal body, that Tracy should obey lying in the lust thereof. Now, there's 23 verses in Romans chapter 6. If you quote all of those chapters when you're tempted to lie, or all of those verses, when you quote all those verses when you're tempted to lie, by the time you get to the 23rd verse, the devil's going to be nowhere around. Because you're going to realize that Tracy is dead to lying. And lying doesn't have any more room, authority, to be in Tracy's life. Let's stand. Okay, that's enough for tonight. You got it. That's enough. You got a whole smorgasbord. You got the seafood buffet. Buffet. You got the $23 crab legs and everything underneath. Okay? All right. If Johnny and Kevin will collect those. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Let your word sink into our hearts. Let us realize like the early church, God, it's repentance and believing on you. Help us to walk away from sin. Help us to walk away from decisions in our life that are not good for us. Let us yield our members as instruments of righteousness. I pray strengthen every person here tonight. I pray that they overcome. I pray that they have power over sin, power over darkness, power over temptation. Help us to all find repentance. Help us to all find restoration. Help us to walk and move in a deeper and closer walk with you every day from here on out. Let us make the decisions that we need to, God, to change our lives for eternity. We ask it in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. Amen. You can go, brothers and sisters. Yes. Yes.